love this podcast? Head to patreon.com slash DATC Media Company to find out how you can show your support. This podcast is sponsored by FlashCityRecords.com, your go-to destination for a musical journey like no other. Check out their wide selection of vinyl with new arrivals dropping every week. Flash City Records, where the beats never stop and the tunes keep coming. A member of the DATC Media Family. This is Dropped Among This Crowd, a podcast that dives into the music and community of improvisational progressive rock band, Humphreys McGee. Each episode will feature a rotating schedule of insightful show recaps, interviews with members of Team UM, as well as musicians who have been inspired by the band. This is your place for the latest news and happenings in the world of Humphreys McGee, keeping you informed on what's going on or where you can catch the next show. I'm your host, Sarah J. Thanks for joining me as we dive in. Are you prepared for what comes next? Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Dropped Among This Crowd. I'm your host, Sarah J. And I hope you're able to check out the last fresh episode where I got into my votes for 2022 Hall of Fame that dropped on November 7th. Check that out if you haven't. And I promise I did not spend the entire episode talking about Mantis, Draconian Mantis from the Fillmore in Detroit. Also, if you are interested, I did put together a playlist with my votes And you can give that a spin. Nice way to spend a little over three hours. So it's kind of like a curated um, free show from me to you. Happy holidays. (laughs) There is a link in the show notes for that. And this week, we're going to finally get back into my summer tour retrospective. Can we use that word when it's only been a couple of months? I don't know. It's interesting that time frame, I was just talking to my daughter, Marley, about working on this episode and finally being able to get it out and, you know, things have just been busy here with me. And she's like, Mom, that really wasn't that long ago. You're right, it really wasn't. It just seems like it is because personally and collectively, A lot has happened since August, but I'm excited actually to pick this up with the shows from August on the 17th at the Stone Pony through the 20th at Soundcheck Studios in Pembroke, Massachusetts for Jam Bass's 25th anniversary. It was kind of cool to wait this amount of time to look back on it. These shows were the first ones without Chris this summer. So it's going to be fun to dive back into all of this with the different drummers playing as well as Andy and Jake playing a few tunes in the shows over the past few months. And speaking of other drummers, in case you did not listen to my episodes with Scotty Zwang and Mike Greenfield, episode 240 and 236 They shared their thoughts and insights about playing with the band 
and, you know, their own history with Umphreys and all of that. They're just such great conversations. Scotty did a few songs with Umphreys, and then Mike did a whole four-night run with them, and we actually talked. He was on his layover coming off of tour, and we talked. So he brought that energy of just being on tour with them for four days to that conversation. So I'm sure you can imagine um, that. It, just two awesome guys anyways, amazing drummers, and it was really cool to get their perspective on the entire experience in a different couple of ways and also for me to kind of nerd out a little bit and talk some more about the way that these songs sound different with different drummers and that's why I'm excited about waiting a little bit of time to finish up my summer tour look back because now I feel like I can look at these shows and really dissect them in a, I don't want to say better, but a more cohesive way because all of the shows are over. If you saw the announcement yesterday, I am currently recording this the day after Thanksgiving. It is finally quiet and slow down a little bit in my house. My Kids are at their dad's for the holiday. Um, so yesterday uh, on Thanksgiving, um, Freeze posted a reel with Bayless. And if you didn't see that, go to their social media and check it out. It's really funny. But he makes mention that Chris will be coming back. Some people reached out and asked me what that means. I don't know and can't really share what I do know. Um, but... It's going to be interesting to see what that means, especially because they have announced all of the drummers that will be playing over New Year's. But I kind of figured that he would at least play a little bit during New Year's. Also, if he's going to be doing tour in 2024, he's got to blow the dust off in a live environment a little bit, right? I mean, he can't just go back out there full throttle onto tour, it's probably going to be a good idea for him to get out there and, you know, shake off the cobwebs. Of course, he's practicing at home, but when you're on the stage in that live setting, you want to kind of, you know, get the dust off and, and get back into it. So whatever it means, I'm excited for it. Of course, already excited about New Year's, um, but that's going to be exciting to to know that we're going to get to see Chris in some capacity. Um, anyways, kind of went off a tangent there with New Year's, but yeah, that's me. Back to these shows with the other drummers. Recently, if you didn't know, they did the stream for both nights in Bozeman, Montana, back in September. Those are two of the four nights that Mike was on tour with them. Free for Nug subscribers. They had that out last week. I'm pretty sure you can still watch it on there. Definitely give that a watch. Those shows, I am still dissecting a summer tour. So I haven't listened to all of the shows after these ones that we're going to get to. I did listen to the four shows that Mike played with the band before I spoke to him because I really wanted to 
do my homework and take advantage of the time that I had with him. And he was the first drummer that I was getting the chance to talk to. So I really wanted to make sure that I had a good list of notes and a really good understanding of the shows that they played. So aside from these shows we're going to talk about in this episode, those four nights with Mike, I did listen to just the songs with Scotty for the same reason. But other than that, I haven't really dissected all of the shows. However, I will say that the four shows with Mike Greenfield are my favorite of the ones with the guest drummers so far. Again, no diss to anybody that has played. All of them have been amazing in their own right, their own artistic ways and what they've brought to the table. And, you know, I, I met Ben in Asheville. I met Dwayne and, and spent a little bit of time talking with him about different things. And they're all awesome guys. But for me, I just felt like my favorite shows so far have been with Mike. And I get into it in the conversation with him if you want to check that out if you haven't but I get into it more but basically I say to him that I really love how he pulled out of the band like hey guys come on let's do this kind of throwing an idea on the table or throwing something on the table raising the stakes in a way and they were up for it you know Umphreys never backs down from a challenge and so that was a really cool thing to listen to uh, was him to, to kind of be like, hey guys, how about we do this? And, you know, they were up for it and it was great. So check that out for free for Nug subscribers. And again, I go on many tangents about Nugs, but seriously, get on that if you haven't. They usually do a sale for the holiday. I don't think they're doing that this year. I haven't seen anything but it's really honestly worth the $14.13 a month. <laughs> when you think about it, honestly, I use that way more than any of the streaming TV platforms that I pay for. So I think it's worth it. There's a link in the show notes where you can sign up. And um, yeah, if you're wanting part one and part two of my summer tour 2023 look back episode 235 and 237 and I will also link my 2023 highlights playlist powered by nugs.net if you want to check out my favorites from the year I try to make sure I update the link because unfortunately so the link I'll give you this week I'll go and listen to songs in the next whatever and if I don't update that link it's not going to have all the songs I've added to it so I will try my best to keep that link updated I wish it you know kept it up to date but it doesn't that's okay anyway uh if you're not joining me semi sort of weekly over on YouTube for wrapped around I did not do a show last week I will not go live tomorrow there's not really a whole lot of news to get into, but I go over there on YouTube live about 20 minutes-ish, sometimes a little bit longer, and just talk about the news of the week from Umphreys and DATC Media and bring all the information to you. I know 
sometimes just with being busy or not really wanting to be on your phone or just being inundated with information sometimes, I know I miss stuff and other people miss stuff. And so that's why I head over there for a little bit on Saturdays and just kind of give you a full rundown of everything that's going on in the world of Umphreys and etc. Tickets, merch, show announcements, tour, you know, kind of a cohesive place for you to find all of the news. Um, so yeah, if you want to join me, we have a great time with the folks that join live and offer comments and we kind of banter back and forth and that's a lot of fun too. So subscribe to the channel, DATC Media, and I also do posts on Saturday mornings when I'm going to go live. So yeah, check it out. And there's a lot of other content over there on YouTube. I'm kind of not sure what I want to do with that channel. I'm trying to kind of feel it out and see what I want to do with that outlet. But there's a lot of other content on there. Last year, Rob Turner, Carl Engelman, Ryan Stasek, and Will Engelman, Carl's son, did football picks every week for the season last year. And that was a lot of fun. So those are all over on YouTube. There's also video from a whole bunch of my conversations that aired here on the podcast, but it was during the pandemic and stuff. So there were Zoom videos. And so I was putting them on YouTube. And so you can check those out there. There's a lot of just really cool other content. So yeah, give it a scroll and uh, yeah, subscribe because I'm still kind of like figuring it out and never know when I'm going to go live over there and do something fun. I don't know. All right. So let's get into this episode. I'm super excited to just get back into this and talk about this run of shows because this is the run of shows that I was on tour and did a bunch of different other jobs and things and I'm excited to share some of that with you guys. So first up August 17th at the Stone Pony in Ashbury Park, New Jersey. This show was played on the inside stage instead of the usual summer stage that they play on outside and this would be only the third time that they would play on that inside stage. The two other times, August 24th, 2005, and July 18th, 2004. So that's a long time ago. The summer stage outside, they've played 10 times almost every year, except for like three since 2010. And if you saw the rough gauge Floyd Rose video with Jake doing a demo of the Jake Blade, this was filmed before that show. And if you haven't seen it, I will throw a link in the show notes, of course. You just scroll through there. There's always so much stuff. And for anybody asking... And also because we talked about this in the past, this guitar was a gift to Jake from Floyd Rose, part of a bigger thing that Rough Gage and Floyd Rose has been working on. And that was another nice thing about waiting to work on this episode too, because 
if I had released this much, much sooner, I wouldn't have been able to share with you guys the awesome product of what we were working on at this show. And so now you can purchase Jake Blades for the Floyd Rose Tremolo System. They're available on their website. Uh, the company, myself personally, being a part of Rough Gage, I'm working very closely with Andy Propicio and Floyd Rose on a number of other exciting things. Yeah, it's been a very cool thing to work on. Very excited for Rough Gage and the whole team there. Um, they're just amazing, amazing folks. And, you know, working on this video with this guitar and everything else was a part of, you know, publicizing the Jake Blade being available for the Floyd Rose Tremolo. Um, and some specs for that guitar, because people always ask me, Swamp Ash Body with a three-tone sunburst finish, maple neck and fingerboard, the 12-inch radius, half-ramp speed guide, Floyd Rose original tremolo with Jake Blade arm, and a Floyd Rose Gold Series single coil pickups. I will link the gear page on Jake's website in case you want to give that a look through. I personally maintain and update that website. And that is the list that Robbie gave me back in June. Jake added one or maybe two things to that list to bring it completely current. I added this Floyd Rose on there, not with these specs, but just listed it under the guitars. I don't get into the specs on there. I probably will eventually get more in depth with it because a lot of people ask me questions about his gear and I don't know. I just don't know. My brain can't hold all the info as much as I wish I could. So that's why I write it down because also even if I did know I'm not a player, maybe the information wouldn't be relayed correctly or something. So I feel like having it on the website is just really easy and cohesive for everybody. I will link that in the show notes so you can give that a look through. And if anybody has any suggestions on how you would like it to look better, anybody who plays and is a gearhead, if there is a better way to organize that so it's more cohesive for people like you that would like to see it, there's I want to link the information better for people, you know, the Floyd Rose is like that, but I want to go through and do that. So there is a little bit of housekeeping I want to do to the gear page. But overall, um, if there's more actual information you're wanting right there, feel free to reach out and let me know because I'm always open to, you know, making it better and more information for everybody. I do also want to shout out James, the project manager and marketing director for Floyd Rose and Rob, the guys that worked on this. Rob was responsible for all the incredible video and photo work. And James has been amazing to work with on 
all of this and all sorts of other aspects with rough gauge, etc. Um, and actually, he is a guitar player himself. And while we were hanging out that day before the show, he gave me his band's vinyl Karmic Juggernauts. I will admit I have not had the chance to put it on and really listen. I did have it on after that weekend, but I haven't had the chance to really sit down and listen to it. I actually have a list of bands that have also reached out to me to be on the show here that I need to listen to. And this is actually at the top of the list. So maybe I will get to that this afternoon while I have some kid-free time to really listen to some music. So uh, stay tuned for my thoughts on that. And I will link them in the show notes. It's really cool, though, because I posted a picture of their album after the weekend, and a couple of my friends had commented and were like, oh, yeah, you know, we know them and whatever. So that was pretty neat. I'm very excited to dive more into that for sure. Anyway, (laughs) back to this show at the Stone Pony. Like I said, they usually play on the outside summer stage, but they moved this inside and it was packed. Also, it was August. And honestly, I was not in my usual spot. I was way in the back To be able to get some air, kind of have some space, I just was not shoving myself all the way up there. It was just way too much. And even back where I was, people were passing out because it was hot and there were a couple people fighting and it (laughs) it was an interesting crowd for sure. It was a hot summer night at a rock show. I mean, it was it was an incredible night and it was kind of cool to sit way back. I was like sitting up on the bar and so I could see up over everybody and it was kind of neat to get that perspective for a change. Yeah, like the lights were the lights, but they weren't what we would get if we were on the balcony in, in some theater or something, obviously, but it was cool to have that small club feel and kind of be back enough where you can just enjoy it and have some room to breathe, haha. Um, but also just to kind of enjoy it. it it's too much and, you know, I've, I have my crew that is up on the rail always and a couple of those folks were at the show and up there and, you know, later on they're like, oh man, I would go and get some water and I could barely even like squeeze my way back up there and I'm like, I am good where I was. It was a good night. It was awesome. I love seeing them at the Stone Pony and it's one of those places. It's an umph goals list place. Definitely see a Stone Pony show because it is a heater. It's just, it is a rock show. And like I mentioned at the top of this episode, These were the first shows that the band played after the announcement that Chris would not be playing any of the shows over the summer. And also the band had been off for about a month, if I remember, maybe a little bit more, but they had played 
that 4848 festival show in early July. And then they didn't play until these shows. And so they were off for a month and Chris was not there. And they still just dominated these shows, which is awesome (laughs) to say the least. It is awesome. And again, a testament for not only their caliber of musicianship, their caliber of who they invited to play these shows with them, as we'll get into as I continue to unpack all of these shows. But it also speaks to their tenacity and their ability to just keep going even when they have a man down. And it's it was incredible to watch these shows the first shows without Chris and then again what I've listened to and heard and seen and whatever of these other shows. It's been very cool also to not only get exposure to drummers that I know their name or maybe didn't know their name. There are some guys like in this show who sat in for a few songs that I didn't know. And so the cool thing about this was not only was it exposure to drummers that I was not familiar with, and I'm sure it's the case for other people, we got to hear these songs with a different flavor mixed in. So we got to have our favorite dishes, but with a new spice, or maybe we're having hot sauce with it this time, and we don't usually eat it that way. And so you're just experiencing these songs that we've heard how many times, you know, some of these songs, Or like, oh, I've heard whatever 27 times or something, but it's like, well, you never heard it with this guy drumming. And so it brings a new interest into songs that we've heard a lot. It also allows us to hear Andy and Jake drum. And it also allows us to hear these parts of these songs being filled in in different places by Brendan or Joel, or Ryan, or Andy in other places because Chris is not there. So something's being played different. And so I think it was a really cool opportunity to hear these things in a new way. And so it was really fun to listen to these, to experience them in real time, but to listen to these and, again, what I have listened to since Chris has been gone. So this evening at the Stone Pony would start with Haji and Nemo with Andy. The latter got real sexy real quick after two minutes, shook off that Nemo proper and revealing its sensual side. I did throw that on my 2023 highlights list. And Nemo recently has been put under the microscope by Jimmy Knowledge, the co-host of the Umphreys Wow Show. You can check that out anywhere you podcast, and I suggest you do. Really, really great in-depth, nerdy, deep dive into a bunch of songs. August, DBK Side A, 2 by 2 Hurt Bird Bath. I'm just like kind of going off the top of my head of what they worked on. Each song has a side A, a side B, 
features a person in the Umphreys realm offering their bronze, silver, gold medal versions of that song. I was on the August episode. Josh from Umphreaks Anonymous was on the Hurt Birdbath episode. Um, And then Side A dives into the song, the birth of it, the evolution of it, the maturity of it, uh, the just how many times it's been played and the guests and all of it, just all of it. And Rob Turner and Jimmy Knowledge are just amazing. They are one of my favorite dynamic duos. And Joel and Bayless and Stasek offer all sorts of different insight and look back on what was going on when that song was written. And it is so great. They're working on the next set of episodes of that it's a lot of work because of how in depth Jimmy gets into it and that's just one of the many things I love about him um but yeah Umphrey's Wow Show check it out anywhere you podcast and you can also check out the tunes that Jimmy has built into this massive wall of wow at datcmediacompany.com under the wall of wow Wednesday tab it's just amazing all of the songs that he has done and if you click on them he's really active over on twitter or x or whatever the hell we're calling that i don't even love being over there whatever he's really active over there on twitter and so if you click on the graphic for that song it'll take you to when he was having the more in-depth conversation about each of the tunes that he chose for his six pack. There's a couple that he did that was more than six because it's just sometimes it's just too hard to pick. Um, But yeah, give that a scroll through. Just another level of nerdy content for you guys. And I absolutely, absolutely love it. Love it so much. There was already excitement and curiosity and of course some nerves with them taking on these shows with a regular cast member out. But this Nemo coming out as strong as it did with the confidence that it had, kind of like, well, right or not, here we go. Like, we don't have a choice here. Just resonating way out and reaching really nice heights to it before coming back to sea level slightly before seven minutes, taking a little time to walk it out and tune in and then revving up and high gear right back into Nemo. Very nice, very worth your time, which is, I guess, always the case with Nemo, really, if we're being honest. But when you look at all of the factors there, it's a hell of a way to start the show. There are a lot of bands that would have just canceled this tour. You know, I I think about that. I mean, okay, Mo. Mo did bring somebody else in. Chug had a stroke, and they brought somebody else in to play, and everybody was very accepting of him. They, They loved having him there. You know, anything that I saw from the fans was all very welcoming and loving and the same from the band. And, 
you know, anything I heard, it sounded fantastic. I used to be so into Mo and just with life and obviously Umphreys and all the things. I just don't really dive into Mo as much as I wish I had the time for. Um, but there's not a lot of bands and specifically a drummer who is, you know, he's, he's driving that train. And so for them to be down a drummer and keep the train going, knocking it out of the park, it's incredible. It really is. It's incredible. And I'm probably going to go off on that tangent like 18 more times in this episode. So, sorry. Jake would then take a turn on the drums for the next two tunes, Example 1 and Sociable Jimmy. First up, that example one would get jazzy as fuck after three minutes, revealing more and more of its comfortability with itself as it continued to dance. Stasic, mixed with some creamy Bayless jams. Yes, please, sir, can I have another? Ugh, so, so good. And I will say, and I know I've said this many times on the show, I love me some Jake and Brendan back and forth on the guitar. Just always been one of my favorite things. Very early on in my Umphreys years, I would just stand there and watch them go at it back and forth. And I would say to whoever I was with at the show, I'd be like, oh, that's my favorite thing in the world. But there is... Something that I have discovered that I love maybe almost as much. I don't know. I don't know. That's a bold statement. But Jake on drums and Brendan on guitar, I just love. I love. Part of it might have to do with the fact that I just absolutely love Jake as a drummer also, but when Jake is drumming in these shows, getting to hear Bayless in these new ways, I am so here for it. I love it. I know I already said that. We get to hear the other guys in different ways because the dynamic has kind of been shifted around when Andy and Jake are behind the kit. And it's awesome. I am so here for it. We get to hear everybody in different capacities. These shows, there's so much Joel, more Joel-led jams. There is one show, there is just parts of it where it's just Joel-dominated. And it's just because of the shifting of drummers and having a different drummer in there and so there's gonna be different things in different spots and I love it I love it so much and this here with the example one was the first example of that especially with the Jake and Brendan drum guitar dynamic duo I love it and if some of you may not know, and there's a lot of people that did not know this until recently with Jake playing drums, that he was actually a drummer before he was a guitar player. 
And there were a lot of people when I was talking to fans or just, you know, whatever over the course of these shows and other shows I was at over the summer, a lot of people were like, really? I didn't know that. I was like, yeah. So that's cool for everybody to get to see something that they didn't even know about him. And kind of some fun facts. Carl Palmer, drummer from Emerson, Lake and Palmer, huge influence on Jake. In fact, one of his favorite albums, Brain Salad Surgery, just turned 50 years old. And his mom told me that he used to just drum his heart out after school when he was in junior high. He would come home and just sit down and put the album on and just drum it out. Side A, flip it over, drum it out, side B. So junior high, 12, 13 years old. My daughter is in junior high right now. So just coming home and ripping, <laughs> ripping apart brain salad surgery after school. No big deal. Um, yeah, so also if you didn't know, at 13, he was in a metal band called Visions, played the drums. Little kid with these dudes, and he's just slaying the drums. I've seen pictures of Visions, the photos for their media kit, and it's these long-haired dudes in leather jackets, and then there's Jake, also in a leather jacket, and... Very obviously only 13 years old. <laughs> it's so great. It is so great. And because he was only 13, he couldn't go into these bars that this band was playing at. So his parents had to take him because he was a kid and they had to escort him because the clubs were like, who is this kid and why is he here? <laughs> so yeah, it's it's great. So you're welcome for those fun facts and the laugh. <laughs> it's great. Anyway, back to this show and that sociable Jimmy. Again, Joel led jam. This would be the first one from the weekend. And I know I'm going to bring it up a whole bunch more times in these episodes. But here, after four minutes... It reminded me of the United Airlines, I think it was United Airlines, commercial from the 90s. Do you guys remember those? They were on, I think, primarily the Weather Channel because that's where I remember seeing them when there was just weather on there. I know there's like reality shows and shit on there now documentaries or whatever but it was all weather back then and like my grandpa used to watch it all the time and you know so it's just like the weather channel but anyways united would have these commercials and they had this song on there and i don't know i need to do more research on there so i don't know if it was like a song that united had used or if it was a song that united had written for their commercials anyway this joel led jam totally reminded me of that and it's kind of funny because of Joel's passion for flying and travel and I haven't had a chance to mention that to him yet but I know that he would find that super funny it would be interesting to see what he has to say 
about it too because you know maybe there is some influence there or he can come insight to that song I don't know but that's exactly what it made me think of anyway the last three songs of this set would feature Ilya Stemkovsky I'm so proud of myself for saying that right <laughs> otherwise known as the Russian Romeo air quotes from New Jersey on drums I did like a quick Google search because this would be one of the people I mentioned at the top of the show that I wasn't familiar with. He is from Brothers Past, Ohm Trio, and more. And fun fact that I did not know until I looked this up, this was the 14th time, 14, 14th time that he sat in with Umphreys. The last time was back in 2014 on August 10th, also at the Stone Pony, but on the outside summer stage. And first time was way back in 2003 at Howlin' Wolf in New Orleans. And Bayless talks about the first time he saw Elia play drums and how he told a chomper in the crowd to shut the fuck up while he was trying to do a drum solo fucking legend that is the greatest in the world that he said that and it's funny because Bayless mentions that if you listen to the show that that's how he knew that they were going to be friends because he (laughs) called somebody out for fucking talking during his drum solo so good then this guy comes out and they unleashed three Umphreys originals with him and all three of those found a spot on my highlights list. And when I was first working on these shows and I noticed that, that's very interesting. But after I learned how many times he sat in with the band, that's the reason why he was so comfortable with these originals and was a part of why three versions were delivered one right after another that each found spots on my highlights list. I would absolutely love to chat with this dude. Especially after that story that Bayless shared. Sounds like an awesome dude and like he would just have a ton of amazing and interesting funny stories to share. So would absolutely love to talk to him. First up, Conduit. Beginning its adventure into the jam after three minutes methodically opening up nicely after taking the time to gain confidence, taking off, spreading its wings wide and enjoying a nice matter of fact soar about very nicely slams back into conduit proper slightly after four minutes later. And I've said it so many times. I just love conduit anyway. So It was probably going to be on my highlights list. It usually finds itself there. But no, this was, yeah, that that jam inside of there was really, really nice. Next tune, I don't know what I want. Wasting zero time strapping in and heading out toward the jam. Legit less than two minutes in. It was ready to just completely abandon its roots and go off on its own plan. Right away, it was just like, all right, let's just fucking do this. Nonchalantly sliding back into it doesn't matter a little over three minutes later. Almost like, what do you mean? I didn't just 
wander off and go on this whole little side quest. I was here the whole time. I love those kind of jams. They just go off and kind of do their own thing and then just sneak right back in line with the tune like it just never even happened. And I love that. Love it so much. The first set would end with a ridiculous Ringo. As I mentioned, those three tunes all on my highlights list. And it's funny that Bayless mentions that Elia brought up this song, meaning Ringo, and doing it like on the album. And he had totally forgotten that they put that on an album. And for those playing at home, that album would be Local Band Does Okay. Dwayne Trucks from Widespread Panic would join for the whole second set. And he shared with me that over the four nights, he used his own kit with a few of Chris's components. Over the course of the upcoming dates when other drummers would sit in, they would use Chris's kit with some of their own parts mixed in. Mike Greenfield gets into that a little more in the conversation I had with him. I'm looking forward to chatting with Dwayne. I'm hoping that we can make it happen when I'm in Athens next weekend um, because I would just love to to hear more of what he has to say from his time with Umphreys and then now coming back and playing with them for these three shows in Athens. This set with Dwayne started matter-of-factly right out of the gate with the front half of Bridgeless. And in time, this would reveal itself as a very nice Sammy. And Bridgeless, in my opinion, is a big choice for first song out. And I know, one, that Dwayne was very confident with right away. And if I recall correctly, was one of his suggestions. He wanted to play Bridgeless. So he came out and he did it. And I think he did very nice with it. Detaching completely and wandering off slightly before seven minutes, sinking its heels and establishing some roots, it would begin to build some confidence as it continued methodically and matter-of-factly building taller and taller, reaching some pretty nice height before delicately soaring back down to earth, leaving Bridgeless in the rear view for now, As I mentioned a little bit ago, this set would be a bridgeless sandwich, so we would see the conclusion of that later on in the evening. Little hints of where we were headed next, sprinkling in, I thought like 13 and a half of that bridgeless was the first time I got a whiff of small strides. Small strides... I'm not going to reiterate it for anyone who listens to this show regularly, but Small Strides, man, has ironically taken pretty big leaps in 2023. I love the metallic futuristic direction this jam went as it unfolded, so I did throw it on my highlights list. Beginning its venture into space after three minutes, it would really open itself up, exposing some real layers before nicely rounding the corner and driving right back into small strides. Pure saturation next, another asking for a friend tune to follow. Hiccup, another tune that I'm not 
going to reiterate everything I've been saying all year about that tune, but it sure was the summer of hiccup. And boy, is that transition from pure saturation to hiccup hot, 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 hot. Loved everything about the way it crept in and brought itself together. So sexy. You know where we're going, but this was for sure some serious foreplay before we got into the real action that was Hiccup. Oh, just, I have goosebumps because like it was so sexy getting into that Hiccup. Oh, who knew that we would feel this way about this song? When I first heard this song, (laughs) the studio version of this song, I never could have conceived in my mind that I would be using the word sexy and foreplay to describe (laughs) hiccup. But here we are. I love it. I love all of it. The pieces of hiccup would begin to take shape way back, slightly before five minutes of pure saturation, as it gained confidence, shaking off its responsibilities, Barking on its own adventure, hopeful and lighthearted as it enjoyed a nice top-down drive along the coast, opening itself way up. This jam, I do not recommend listening to when you're driving somewhere that you need to be super mindful of your speed because this is one of those that's going to get you. You know, those jams when you're driving and it just engulfs you, you're just all into it, and then you realize that you're going a little fast. (laughs) We've all been there. We've all had that happen. I know some people that have legitimately been pulled over, and when they get pulled over, they've actually said, I'm sorry, I was listening to this jam and completely didn't realize how fast I was going. So yeah, I'm putting a warning label on that jam from Pure Saturation. Do not listen to while operating heavy machinery. And while that version of Hiccup presented itself as quote unquote standard, this does not diminish any previous statement about that song this year. In this one, the experimentation came before the tune. Sometimes you like to eat your dessert before dinner. Something that I've said several times, and I will reiterate it, it has been so awesome to watch those Asking for a Friend songs mature really nicely and to witness the band becoming so comfortable with them already. A cover of Ophelia by the band Next played in remembrance of Robbie Robertson who passed away about two weeks earlier on August 9th, also the day that Jerry Garcia died. Ophelia, covered eight times by Umphreys, was last played on January 27th, 2017 at the State Theater in Portland, Maine. Ophelia can be found on the band's 1975 Northern Lights Southern Cross album. And 
Obviously, it's Thanksgiving weekend, so this morning while I was doing some other things, I watched The Last Waltz because, I mean, you have to. Usually I watch a Thanksgiving night, but I watched Christmas Vacation last night and then fell asleep. Christmas Vacation is my favorite Christmas movie. Um, but I watched The Last Waltz today because it is tradition, and it's really funny and interesting that I brought that up because I was like, oh, yeah, they did just cover Ophelia, and uh, I'm talking about it now, so that's kind of funny. Anyway, Day Nurse Next with Working Day and Night by Michael Jackson Tease in there. That one also found a spot on my highlights list. Lacing up its dancing shoes real tight and fucking getting down hard, so hard after five minutes. Strap in and take that one for a spin. Ooh, that is good. Glory next and the conclusion of that bridge list that kicked off the set would round this out. An encore for the evening, one song, a cover of the Talking Heads Making Flippy Floppy with Dwayne on drums and Elion percussion with Andy. Covered 81 times, last time played last summer at the Caverns on August 21st with all the guys from the Disco Biscuits. This tune can originally be found on the Talking Heads 1983 Speaking in Tongues album. And for those of you scoring from home, this would be the first time Jake would play that Floyd Rose in a live setting. And it absolutely slayed. We would see her come out a few other times over the next couple of nights. FlashCityRecords.com is your go-to destination for a musical journey like no other. With inventory that spans genres and eras, they've got something for every taste and vibe. Check out their extensive catalog with Record Store Day exclusives, new releases, the psychedelic sounds of King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, the jam-packed energy of Fish, the funky vibes of Goose, the progressive brilliance of musical wizards Umphreys McGee, and of course, all the dead you can handle. It's a musical feast for your ears, and it's all at Flash City Records. And if that wasn't enough, they also have your favorite band apparel and collectibles too. Flash City Records believes in delivering the best customer service because, let's face it, music is more than just notes and beats, it's an experience. Their dedicated team prides themselves on making sure that every time you shop with Flash City Records, the experience is as smooth as a well-played guitar riff. And with the lightning-fast shipping, you'll have your favorite tunes at your doorstep before you can say encore. Order by 4 p.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, and your order will be shipped out within 24 hours with free shipping on all orders over $100. So whether you're searching for the classics you grew up with or exploring the latest sounds, Flash City Records is your one-stop shop because your musical journey deserves nothing less. Now let's get back to the show. Next up, August 18th at Pier 6 Pavilion in Baltimore, Maryland. 
This would be the eighth time the band has played at this venue. And very interestingly, this show is not available on Nugs. I was told it was because the city wanted the band to pay a fee in order to release it, which could mean a few things. One, there are new rules and regulations with the city. Perhaps there are new people in-house at the venue because past Umphrey shows at this spot, including last year's show with the Disco Biscuits, can be found on Nugs. You can find a recording of this on Relisten. The last time I checked, I did not see one on Archive, but I will check again today. But I will throw the link for where you can check this out on Relisten in the show notes. And because of it not being available on Nugs, this recap of this show, I'm just going to share my highlights instead of really getting into the timestamps of things because it's kind of hard to do on Relisten. I did also make a little note on my phone with my highlights from this show because I obviously can't add them to my Nugs playlist. And I wanted to remember any potential future Hall of Fame candidates when voting for 2023 happens. And I think that that whole voting for Hall of Fame 2023 is going to be interesting with so many shows being played without Chris. So that's a whole other uh, tangent and topic to discuss. But I'm keeping a a little list over there so I can come back to this show because it was also, this was a great show as well. And the evening would feature a special guest, Michael Palmisano, which we'll get into that here in a few. Set one, Jake would get on drums first this time for the first two tunes, Resolution and 2 by 2 both of those right out of the gate, finding a spot on my highlights list. The jam in that resolution is insane. And like I already went off about Brendan and Jake, but in this way as a duo, yes fucking please. And that two by two during I texted in the WOW Show group chat and was like, guys, I had no idea that I needed two by two with Jake on drums so badly in my life. And yet here we are. Amazing. Andy's turn next for the next two tunes, Attachments and Morning Song. Attachments, if you've been listening to this show for a while, you know I have grown into that song. I did not love that song when it first came out. But once they really started allowing that to expand and express itself beyond its roots, I really started to fall in love with that song. And of course, Morning Song is always great to get. This first set would round out with Dwayne Trucks on drums for Whoppy Sprayberry and a cover with the aforementioned special guest on guitar, Michael Palmisano, for David Bowie's Let's Dance, found on Bowie's 1983 album of the same name. This album celebrated its 40th birthday on April 14th, 2023, which also happens to be the last time that the band covered that tune before this time in Baltimore. 
at the House of Blues in Lake Buena Vista, Florida. This was the second time that Michael sat in with the band. The other time, June 30th, 2021, at Frederick Fairgrounds in Frederick, Maryland. They did a cover of The Who's Eminence Front. That was that was good. I will link the set list for that show as well as the podcast episode I did that recapped it. And I will link the two times that Michael has been a guest here on the show, episode 99 and episode 158. He was actually the first person I did a video interview with after the pandemic hit. He was the first person that I did a conversation with on Zoom. Before that, it was on Skype or over the phone, and then I just recorded it. So that was really cool. He was the first person that I did that with. Actually, the video of that is on my YouTube channel. So you can check that out. I mean, that is three years old, almost four years old at this point. That's really crazy. And he had just gotten exposed to Umphreys. And so it's really cool. I talked to him when he first got into Umphreys. And then I talked to him again after his sit-in. And so it was really cool. And this was the first time we finally got to meet in person. And his wife Annie such a sweetheart and there is video of Michael sit-in on his YouTube channel and also Jake's YouTube channel um so I'll link that in the show notes as well filmed by yours truly and Annie I was on the side stage so I was like helping him get all ready and kind of coordinate when he needed to come out after Whoppy because they went right into Let's Dance. So I was on the side stage uh, helping him get ready and everything. And I posted some cool like behind the scenes pictures and also a picture of me sandwiched between Jake and Michael Palmisano. And that is the greatest ever. Anyway, um, but yeah, that video is filmed by me and Annie. I was on the side stage getting that view of it. And I set her up on the rail with my crew, I took her up there and I introduced her around to everybody. So shout out to everybody who was on the crew in Baltimore, who was so kind to Annie. I was like, guys, this is Michael Palmisano's wife and she wants to video the the sit-in, you know, can she stay up here, you know, keep an eye out for her because she's this out of her territory, you know, and everybody was so welcoming and awesome and after we were backstage and she was like, are those all your friends? And I'm like, yeah. And she was like, oh, they're all from here. And I'm like, no, <laughs> we're all from all over. And we came in for the show and she's like, oh my God, they were so nice and everything. And so it was cool for her to experience that too, to really get to experience the, the fam. And that was awesome. So shout out to everybody that was up there. That was really great. Very welcoming to the Palmazanos. And yeah, they were just so amazing. And it was so much fun getting to be at the show with them too because we've just been talking for years and to finally have it spend some time together it was awesome set two Dwayne on drums for the whole second set opening with Miss Tinkles and Bayless mentions that Dwayne had heard that song for the first time at lunch and that he didn't know that it was based on a true story Joel ha 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 (laughs) if you know you know And, you know, just hearing the song for the first time 
was the case with a lot of the tunes with a bunch of these drummers that played with the guys over these shows. And the fact that they were killer versions being played, again, it just reiterates the point I made, the talent of these drummers that they brought in to play while Chris was out. And it's been really interesting to me that a few drummers have mentioned that they didn't think that they could do it, that they could live up to the standard or the expectation or whatever of what Chris had kind of laid down being their drummer. And to hear these guys say that is surprising and also interesting you know we how we view ourselves is very interesting so I'm just thinking really I never once doubted that you were not gonna slay even though I wasn't very familiar with Mike Greenfield the drummer from Lotus I bet he could hold it down and then he totally did so I can't speak enough about the whole thing, how well the band did with the whole thing of him not being there, everybody that sat in. I mean, it was just, it was a very cool thing as a fan to witness and to continue to listen and dissect these shows. Back to this show in Baltimore. (laughs) Staircase would come out next. That scene 14th place so far since its debut on March 5th in Portland, Oregon. A really nice 1348 sandwich would follow with Young Lust by Pink Floyd stuffed inside. Last time played January 25th, 2019. That can be found on Pink Floyd's 1975 album, The Wall. And a very nice transition back into 1348. Fucking fire that whole thing was. And I did throw that on my highlights notes. As well as the next tune, Night Nurse, which y'all know how I feel about her. This one exemplified every single reason why and also on my highlights notes. This one exemplified every single reason why. Gulfstream and a cover of Jessica by the Allman Brothers to close out the second set in Baltimore. Before Gulfstream, Bayless mentions the kid named Bayless Funk, and his dad actually reached out to me before this show, and we talked about our kids because my Brendan is also named after Bayless, so we were like, I got a Brendan, you got a Bayless, this is great. Um, So I'm really glad that that shout-out happened because he was really hoping that his kid could get a shout-out from Bayless, so that was awesome that that worked out. Jessica can be found on the Allman Brothers 1973 Brothers and Sisters album. Of course, a fun fitting cover choice in case you had no clue. Dwayne's uncle was Butch Trucks, the drummer for the Allman Brothers. And yes, his older brother is Derek Trucks. And this is one of the reasons why he is just a really cool dude. Because there was a brief moment when we were backstage during this run. I can't remember specifically like what city we were in. But we were all backstage and we were just like hanging out. 
and we're talking about music and just a bunch of different things. He was asking me about me, you know, what I do specifically and kind of the company and the podcast and just all the things. So we're just kind of talking about ourselves, you know. And there's one point in this conversation where like his family, he just talks like, oh, my family is how he says it. And there's a moment where we looked at each other and I'm just like, dude. And he just smiles at me and I'm like, come on. And he smiled at me again. And it was great because it was like that moment where he just kind of, he let me geek out about it and be like, dude, you're fucking family. Like, come on. <laughs> like, you gotta, you gotta own that sometimes that it's really fucking cool who your uncle and your brother is and you're an amazing drummer who plays with widespread and he played at Billy String's wedding and they had that super group with Trey and Les Claypool and I think Bob Weir was there too. Like he was playing drums. Like Dwayne's played with so many people too. So it was really awesome and kind of him for letting me have that moment where it just kind of low key just geeked out and be like, dude, come on. <laughs> like, it's pretty fucking cool that you're here and it's awesome to meet you. So, I mean, he was just a really, really cool dude. And so when they went into this, I thought it was fun. Jessica has been covered by Umphreys 60 times now. Also played earlier this year in Dallas, Texas at the House of Blues. Encore, just one tune, and honestly, that is all we needed. A scapegoat, the perfect choice, just in case you had anything left in you. Very, very big way to end the show. Threw that on my highlights notes as well. This was a fire show from front to back. The whole run was, but this was a jam-packed show. It's annoying, personally to listen to this on re-listen Jimmy Knowledge did inform me the other day that there is a re-listen app so you can listen to the shows on there and it doesn't close as frequently as when you're listening to it on the browser on your phone because I got to do other things on my phone hello so it's a little easier to navigate on the app uh, either way, though, it's worth your time to give that a spin if you haven't. Moving along to August 19th at Saranac Brewing Company in Utica, New York. This would be the only stop on these four nights that would also have an opener, Talk, the band has played at Saranac seven times over the years, first hitting up this stage back in 2005 on September 10th. The guys haven't played this stage since before COVID, September 1st, 2019. And I was at that show. And it's another moment where I was just like, damn. The last time I was here and legit everything in my life is different. And it's one of those moments again where if anybody would have come up to me at that show in 2019 
and said even one small thing that is my life now, even not even mentioning any of the significant changes in my life, something super small, I would have told you that you were crazy. Seriously. Like, honestly, even something as small as being an Apple user. At that time, I was so firm in being Android only, and now everything I own is Apple. Like, even something like that, which isn't very significant, but for me at the time, if you would have told me that, I'd have been like, no fucking way. You know, so it's just, it was very interesting to me to be back there. Um... There were a lot of moments of that on tour, and uh, I, I love it. It, it just, it's, it's a very cool, cool thing, for sure. Anyway, this evening would get started with Jake again on drums for the first three songs this time. First up, Soul Food 1, followed by Uncommon, with August rounding out this trio with Jake. This was a moment, again, where I was like, I totally needed this in my life. This song is very special to me anyway. And the line, time will compensate her, just hits a little different lately. And like I mentioned, I was on side B of the Umphrey's Wow Show August discussion episode five so you can listen to me nerd out about my passion of that song I mean there are other songs that are very very special to me but August is one that tops the list it's also my birth month I already love this song and now getting to experience it with different people they play August I love it but they played August with Jake behind the kit uh, okay, I get to experience this song that I love and it's going to be different now and it's going to be cool and I'm excited and I get to hear Bayless throw down some creamy fucking guitar and it's just going to be great and i so here for that. It was awesome. Andy's turn next for the next three tunes. First up, Cemetery Walk, followed by Susanna, originally by 30DB, Bayless and Jeff Austin, for anyone that may not know, that can be found on their 2010 One Man Show album. Give that a spin if you haven't. It is a fantastic album. It is such a good album. It is so good. It's so good. It's hard to listen to sometimes now so I don't listen to it as often as I think I would like to because it it you know it can hit you but it's a great album it really really is and if you've never listened to that you need to like pause this right now and go listen to that and then come back to this because it's so good it's so good a nice fatty front porch next I thought that was a really good choice for the five-piece. Rip a fatty 20-minute version of a song that you know people are going to love and that they know they can destroy just the five of them. Fills time and satisfies the crowd. Solid choice. It's like making goulash for the family. It's easy. 
It's, it, you know, it's easy for you to execute. It's filling for the people that you're trying to feed. And you know everybody's going to fucking love it. And so this was a solid, solid choice to put on the set list for sure. Enjoying a very nice, inspirational, soaring, uplifting jam after shaking off front porch early on, getting quite some height before dancing back into front porch proper briefly, falling down the rabbit hole after four and a half, putting itself back together, embracing its sensual side as it gains confidence and begins to dance. Not an actual sad but true by Gorilla's Tease about eight and a half, but but boy did it dabble itself all in that vibe without fully falling in. Sliding nonchalantly right back into front porch about two-ish minutes later, really oozing in some nine-inch nails vibes when it left front porch in the dust and ventured out on its own again about 12 and a half, wandering all the way out into the jungle, pulling it back into the driveway about five minutes later, bringing that hearty front porch helping to a conclusion. Not a surprise that you're going to find that on my highlights list. That's big. That's big. It's big for sure. A debut cover next, Cirrus by Bonobo. Fucking hot. So hot. And Jake used that Floyd Rose again for this tune and the next one, also a cover. Cirrus can be found on Bonobo's fifth album, The North Borders, released in 2013. This would feature Isaac from Talk on drums, closing out the set with, like I mentioned, another cover, The Talking Heads, Girlfriend is Better, with Dwayne on drums and Ace Carter from Talk on keyboards. And as I mentioned, Jake also used that Floyd Rose during this. And so Tally up to this point is three songs, two of which were Talking Heads covers. Girlfriend is Better can be found on the Talking Heads 1983 Speaking in Tongues album, the same album I mentioned a little earlier, covered by Umphreys 32 times now. They would play it recently after this show here in Saranac, September 14th at the Depot in Salt Lake City with Mike Greenfield. That cover saw one other play in 2023 earlier in the year on April 19th at JJ's Live in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Actually, that version is on my 2023 highlights list. And that show in Arkansas earlier in the year was hot. Real hot. Worth your time. Really. I'm going to actually listen to that again soon because it was a really, really good show. That's definitely on my list for shows of the year. That Arkansas show was ridiculous. For real. On to set two in this evening at Saranac. Dwayne on drums, the whole second set again. Starting with the silent type. Stretching its legs very nicely. And I've said it many times and I'll say it again. Love or hate it, the silent type is a hell of a jam vehicle. And no matter how hard you try, your ass is getting down to it. It, No matter how you try to fight it, it's going to happen. It doesn't matter next. I did throw that on my highlights list. 
And it made me think about how not that long ago on this very show, I was talking about that song still being so new. January 18th was when it saw its debut, which, I mean, I guess is really not that long ago while also feeling like forever ago, almost six years. It's time is crazy. Anyways, 57 plays, still a baby when you compare it to some tunes that have seen hundreds of plays. But this one, I think, has proved itself a spot at the table. Still early in its life. It's so good. And this one gets funky as hell within the depths of its jam and takes up a lot of space with lots of energy. I'm here for it. This tune is always a good time, and this is a very, very fine example of that. Give it a spin. Got Your Milk right here next, abandoning its roots and charging off on its own slightly before four minutes. And I got to ask, though, did anybody else hear Escape by Enrique Iglesias tease about, like, minute later so five-ish minutes there's nothing on all things umphreys but i'm telling you the second i heard it live and then every time i've listened after i legit i can't help but straight up sing the lyrics or like what i know of them i don't know that whole song but i do know parts of it from hearing it on the radio I kind of feel that there's another song that it, if it is a tease, it's actually a different song that I might not know that's older. That's the first one I thought of. Like maybe Enrique Iglesias is ripping off that riff or something. I don't know, but I heard it. And every time I've listened to it after, I'm like, is this, is this that? You don't know. But yeah. Okay. Anyway. This would expel all sorts of energy, cooling its heels about seven and a half and wandering off into uncharted territory, slipping into something a little more comfortable before poking its head through the clouds and revealing our next destination in the kitchen. Beginning its sinister sneak toward the jam about four minutes-ish, opening itself up more as it continues to dance taking a moment to metallically catch its breath before picking up and dancing forward. Booth Love would follow, sinking its heels in and really getting into it after seven minutes. Drenched in sexy funkiness, this one you want to get yourself all lost inside of. Also find that on my highlights list. Closing out the second set with Cemetery Walk 2, Venturing out slightly before four minutes, fluttering off as it begins its adventure, embodying a different attitude as it dug in deeper, establishing roots, and allowing this monster to grow, morph, and then proceed to erupt massively, resonating energy all over and engulfing everything that crossed its path building itself all the way up, slamming back into Cemetery Walk 2. Two-song encore this evening, Party and Peeps, followed by a cover that I have been waiting since 2007 to see live. 
Benny and the Jets. And after this tune, we were introduced to a new power couple, Benny and Deborah. If you know, you know. Benny and the Jets can be found on Elton John's 1974 Goodbye Yellow Brick Road album. And I have been nonchalantly manifesting a cover of Benny and the Jets for over a decade. I would say it. Every time I would hear Benny and the Jets on the radio or Benny and the Jets would come up in any sort of any capacity. And I would always say, I'm going to hear Bayless cover this um, someday. I'm going to hear Bayless sing this someday because that's what I want. I, I wanted to hear Bayless sing it. And so while I was on tour Somehow it came up. I have no idea. I cannot remember. Something about covers. And I said, and I usually don't ever, ever ask for any covers or any shout outs or any, you know, this is my whatever show. It's my birthday. It's no, I don't. I never have even back in the day before my show and and whatever I've never asked for any whatever false one time one time I did back in like 20 2014 or something anyway I said I've been waiting for you to to cover Benny and the Jets forever forever that's I've always wanted to hear you sing that and then the conversation went off on, on something else And the next day I saw the set list and I was just like, I, oh my God, it's on the set list. And we all know that just because it's on the set list doesn't mean it's going to happen. I'm like, all right, you know, we're in the show. It's a great show. It's, oh my God, this, that, whatever. And Joel hits the keys. And even just now, talking about it. I'm trying not to cry because this cover represents a lot. And then, (laughs) you know, I go back to the top of the show where I said, you know, the last time I was at Saranac and... There are just many, many, many layers to being in that venue anyways and being where I am in my life. And then they ended this night with this cover. And it means to me so much more than it would have meant to me if I would have gotten that cover years ago. Would still be significant, obviously, because I've been wanting it for so long. But now there were just other layers of meaning into it. And then, as the cherry on top of this, 
I'm working on this episode and I am going in and getting the facts for this episode of the last time it was played and, you know, how many times it was covered and this and that and whatever. And I get to this part of Benny and the Jets and I find out that this was only the third time that they covered this song as a full band. This was only the third time they covered that in 25 years. And the last time that they did it was almost a decade ago. January 30th, 2013. So yeah, like that, just when I saw that, I was just like, oh my God. It just, okay. (laughs) So that just added more to that evening and that location and that venue being really special. But just the whole run and the whole summer and the past year and just all of the things, all the things. And so, yeah, that was really special. So Benny, Benny and Deborah. And if you haven't listened to that, you need to, because not only did I get Benny and the Jets, but I got Deborah too. And that just made it that much more special. So do yourself a favor and listen to that Benny and the Jets from Saranac. Finally this week, August 20th, Jam Bass's 25th anniversary at Soundstage Studios in Pembroke, Massachusetts. The first time the band played at this new 500 capacity venue, located in this weird spot. So, you know, they have those corporate complexes where there's a bunch of different doctor's offices and things and you go in, you park, and then there's all these different doors. This is where that was. Like, I pulled in and I legitimately thought I was in the wrong spot. There's therapists and printing companies and all these other things. And then I see the line Okay, yeah, I'm in the right spot. I know a couple of those folks, but it was it's very interesting spot. And then when you go in though, it's so cool, really neat. It was really cool mural on the wall. Maybe you saw the post. Jam Bass did some posts. I think Umphreys did. I posted a lot of other people that were there um, with the Umphreys fingers in black light paint. So they had lights on it. And then when just the lights from the show and everything, it was really cool. It's a very neat, clean, modern spot. They've been having a bunch of different shows there and everything. Um, And it was really cool to get that far out east. I usually don't go that way when I see Umphreys a lot. I usually go out to the Midwest area, kind of stay in my spot and have been venturing south going to get out way more west in 2024 but so it's always great to head out more east that way and see that crew of folks got to hug Ashley from Groove Safe absolutely love that girl met Scott Marks for the first time that was awesome just a fun night and a great way to end this run and you know what they say about Sunday shows 
Opening the evening with Slacker with Jake on drums. A nice way to get things started. And the blood pumping for the evening ahead. That one would see the right amount. That one would see the right amount of expansion during the depths of its jam. Nothing too crazy out of that Slacker found in the opening slot. But as I said, very nice choice. Jake would continue on drums for the next Two songs, Tribute to the Spinal Shaft and Orfeo. Looking at this set, even early on here, just a few songs in, reiterates what I mentioned earlier in the show, Joel Heavy Show. This in particular, out of the four shows, was definitely a very Joel Heavy show, I felt. The aforementioned tribute would sweetly twinkle away from its roots about seven minutes and float off into the depths of space, bathing itself in some creamy Baelish jams. I I keep saying that. Maybe this podcast should be sponsored by creamy Baelish jams. And gathering momentum as it continued, but only after a few minutes, embodying a different vibe as it transitioned beautifully, almost like a music box into Orfeo. Bayless was having some technical difficulties with his board during this, which you can hear on the recording. And so interestingly enough that this Orfeo, it was not an audible because of the issues that Bayless was having. This was legit on the set list in this spot. And it worked because Robbie had to come out and switch out Bayless's board. So it was kind of perfect that this was the song that they were going into next and gave them time to fix the situation that was going on with Bayless. Andy's turn on drums for a few songs next. Much obliged. That enjoyed some nice time on chaperone dancing. Sliding nicely back into the driveway very nonchalantly about six and a half. Pivoting and showing a different side of itself next with push and pull. Last seen earlier in the year on April 22nd at the House of Blues in Dallas, Texas. Allowing the end of that to hang in the balance before tumbling and aggressively stomping into Push the Pig. Fucking love that song. Joel would be our guide as we venture into space beginning slightly after four minutes. Methodically and intentionally building the pieces of this higher and higher as it continued. You will find that on my highlights list. I'm sure that's not a surprise. Dwayne would come out to join the guys for the final two songs of this first set. First up, a cover of Cheap Sunglasses by ZZ Top, sounding very 80s crime drama-y on its way in. Covered by the band 30 times now, last played November 12, 2021 at the pageant in St. Louis, Cheap Sunglasses can originally be found on ZZ Top's 1979 Degulo album. Rounding out the first set with small strides. And while this boasts a semi-short timestamp compared to other versions we've seen of this, does not mean it's lacking in its hardiness of helping. Opening way up and revealing the depths of a spooky dance party hell, dabbling a little back into small strides after six minutes, perhaps to remind not only us, but the band as well, exactly where we were before this was engulfing us and taking us all in. 
fully revealing its intentions to head back home slightly thereafter. I can't say it enough. That song and others on Asking for a Friend has grown up so fast, and I'm really excited for what else is to come from those. Set two with Dwayne at the helm of the drum kit would reveal itself to be a stuffed and adventurous all-in-time sandwich, not taking a breath as it shook off the roots of all-in-time and forged straight ahead into the jam. This front half I did throw on my highlights list. That gets some serious height and the emotion it embodies, not only during but coming out of it at 12 minutes, slams down. Oh, just, ooh, shiver. Like, thinking about it gave me another shiver every time. Just, ugh. And collectively, those 13 minutes feel like a score from an intense scene of a film. For real. Listen to that and tell me it is not an emotional journey. That's one of those moments where you're like, might need a cigarette fanning yourself after damn we've all been there at shows you're just like whew Mm. leaving all in time completely in the rear view for now moving into a very meaty almost dinty more beef stew helping of wife soup next followed by draconian which if you're a regular listener you know how I feel about that tune. And if you're not, let's go back to the very beginning of this show. And one of the first things I mention is Draconian from last year. So this one would be memorable for a different reason. <laughs> Mere seconds into the tune... The fire alarm starts going off. And it's funny because we all looked around. We all surveyed to see if there was danger. We all looked. There was no fire. There was no smoke. Nobody was evacuating everybody. Nobody was yelling. There was no signs of any sort of, we need to be taking this fire alarm seriously. So we were just like, let's keep going and the band does too and when you're listening to it you can hear it and there are moments where it starts to almost blend together and you kind of have to be intentional about seeking it out there's moments where you're like is it still there oh yeah no it is it is after about nine minutes and a fucking wicked jam The band had to stop because the only way to get the alarm turned off was to have the fire department come and turn it off. And you got to get everybody evacuated out of the building to do that. And it's just the the protocol. You got to do these things. So the band stops. We all got to go out. We're We're filed out of there. We're all out there waiting. And despite the craziness, and I will comment that everyone who had a rail spot before they were evacuated all got their spot back in a calm and collective manner. No issues. 
Like, nobody got trampled. Nobody got put. I didn't see anything. I didn't hear anything. And when we all got back up there, kind of surveyed, and, like, everybody got their spot back. And so that was really awesome, that we were all able to be kind and courteous and just go outside and do what we had to do and come back in, and everybody was respectful and mature about it. And that's just, it's really awesome. We didn't need any of that shit. We're all just here for a good time. This is listed as three sets on all things Umphreys. And I mean, technically, yeah, we went outside. Cigarettes were consumed. I'm sure somebody went to the bathroom somewhere. Technically, it was a set break. It was only like 10 minutes, so it wasn't a full set break. Maybe it was a little bit longer than 10 minutes. Um, But yeah, I mean, technically, it was a set break. And I will say, I felt this in the moment, and I feel this way even after listening, that if Chris was there, I feel like the likelihood of an audible burning down the house before going back into Draconian would have happened. But they picked up that jam very fucking nicely. Very nicely. This time, oozing in a little more filthy 70s funk before getting little more height to begin its descent into those lyrics. And every single time they round that corner, I know it's coming. The goosebumps. Not a surprise that you're going to find this on my list. Even Adam Scheinberg be like, oh, Draconian was on the set list. You know Sarah's going to like that one. And if Draconian and Jajunk and August are on the list, like it's, such a solid set. Six songs with the shortest time stamp, 11 minutes and 38 seconds. The tail end of this would contain Remind Me, Thousand Places to See Before You Die, featuring Corey Sheckman on saxophone from Spafford. Only the 12th time that's been played. And that may be because I've heard it's not a favorite of Chris's. And a standalone bridgeless to close it out. Dwayne really wanted to give this one another go after having played it earlier in the run on Thursday night in New Jersey. That version, you may recall, was a second set sandwich, and this one was a standalone, giving him, in my opinion, a nice taste of both ways to get a helping of Bridgeless. Encore, a cover of Comfortably Numb by Pink Floyd, found on their 1980 album, The Wall. This has been covered by Umphreys 29 times. Last played April 30th, 2021 at Atlanta Motor Speedway. And the conclusion of All in Time to bring the evening to a close. Wow. (laughs) All right. So that's everything I have for this week. What a huge episode. I knew it was going to be a big episode. It was taking me a long time to really work on it and get it to what I wanted it to be. And so that's why it took me a little bit to get it out. But it's a nice, hearty Thanksgiving weekend helping for you guys. So thank you for joining me. I really appreciate you listening to all of my rants and discussions. I am very grateful for all of you listeners and supporters. 
Take a scroll through all of the links in the show notes. You're going to find the set list for the shows that we chatted about as well as where you can give them a listen. And for anything else that I may have mentioned or covered in this episode, so check all of that out. And check out patreon.com slash DATC Media Company for all sorts of exclusive content and how you can support over there. We're doing a Secret Santa this year for the Patreon folks. It's a first time I've ever done anything like that, and I thought it would be a lot of fun to do among the supporters over there. So, yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun, and those folks are getting a really cool package for the holidays, which includes the 2024 the ATC Media Calendar, pictures from the year taken by photographers of the company. So, yeah, those Patreon folks get spoiled on top of all sorts of other content and a lot of stuff that I'm looking at and exploring for 2024. So check it out. Patreon is a lot of fun and I do so much cool stuff over there and the folks over there are so much fun to hang out with. So yeah, join us, patreon.com slash DATC Media Company. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for joining me. I appreciate all of you guys. I am so grateful for all of you. And uh, I will see you around these parts soon. I'm not sure how these next episodes are going to be dropping. They're obviously not going to be dropping every Tuesday like they were, kind of doing some different things as we finish up the year here and do some new exciting things in 2024. So hit that subscribe button so you do not miss any podcast episodes when they drop. Feel free to leave a review and rate the podcast as well. It takes like two seconds and it helps this show get into the ears of other music and Umphreys fans and I greatly appreciate that as well. So thank you so much for joining me. I will see you around these parts real soon. Mad love.